Hello and welcome once again to Ukulele Tales, the ukulele podcast with me, John Atkins, aka the ukulele teacher on YouTube. Firstly, did you hear last week's episode yet? I know I've had some really big names in the world of ukulele as guests so far, but this, this was huge to me. Paul Simon's bass player, Bagiti Kamalo. He played on Graceland, which, as I told him during the interview, was one of the albums that made up the soundtrack of my childhood. This guy played the famous bass guitar solo on You Can Call Me Al, and I got to chat to him. Seriously, for me, personally, short of getting Paul Simon on the show himself, I'm not sure things will get much bigger for me. If you haven't already, go back to your podcast player right now and put that one in your download queue. Number nine, Bagiti Kamalo. You won't regret it. Anyway, all that being said, I hope you guys had a fantastic week. Things are good for me, I think. Firstly, for the first time since what feels like forever, the three of us, myself, Tiffany and our son Percy, we're all well. Yes, touch wood, we have made it through the mid-winter blues unscathed and we're currently all enjoying fine health. And secondly, some good friends of mine, Mike and Katie, have just given birth to their first baby, a daughter, Olivia. So congratulations to them, and I can't wait to head back to Bournemouth, my hometown, at the earliest possible opportunity to visit them and meet the new Bubba. Congratulations, Mike and Katie, and welcome to you, Olivia. Who knows, perhaps when I'm in Bournemouth, I might be able to conduct a few more interviews for the podcast. I've been trying to sort out something with Alex from the Southern Ukulele Store forever, but as I said, the Atkins family have been ill for some time, even over Christmas. And things just haven't worked out. Um, I also happen to know that Plastic Jesus are Bournemouth-based as well. Hmm, this could be quite a good trip. Anyway, enough talk about the future. Let's get back to the present. Today's guest is the wonderful Brittany Piver. Half Portuguese, a quarter Danish, an eighth Japanese, and an eighth Hawaiian. She got her start in music at the age of four, which is exactly how old my son Percy is currently. And yes, don't worry, I do talk about him at excruciating length. Uh, Although Britney didn't actually start to play the ukulele until the age of 11. We talk a lot about her classical music training and how she put it to work teaching herself the ukulele. And also, which other famous ukulele artist she inspired to pick up the uke. We talk about her perfect pitch, which she describes as both a blessing and a curse. And we talk about her interests away from the ukulele. She produces music and creates her own EDM, which is electronic dance music for anyone else like me who is too old to know what that is without Googling it. And of course, her trademark fashion sense, including her shaved head, her earrings and her famous tattoos and precisely what they mean. We cover loads and loads of stuff and it's a really fun interview, which I think you guys are going to love. I'll be back in a little while to tell you how you can help support the show. But right now, here's part one of my conversation with Brittany Piver. Yeah, there's a high chance that the battery's gonna run out during it. Not okay. because they're like old or cheap, mm-hmm. but this thing just doesn't, uh-huh. it just eats them, it eats them. So if it does, I'll sure. just put some more in, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, cool, okay. Brittany, uh, before we go any further, <laughs> How do I say your last name? Paiva. Paiva. Yes. Cool. Where does that come from? Um, it's actually Portuguese. 
Um, over the years, you know, people thought it's, if, it, if it's Hawaiian or if it's, you know, Finnish even. Right. Um, but no, it's, it's actually Portuguese. Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Have you got family from... Uh... Uh, yes, so I'm, I'm actually half Portuguese. Um, and so my dad's side of the family, uh, his dad, his side of family is from Portugal. My dad's mom's side of the family is actually from Brazil. So there's two different kinds of Portuguese in there, yeah. but yeah, it's, yeah, Portuguese. But you, but where have you come from today? Because you're living in Hawaii, right? Yes, or? yeah, born and raised there. So, um, yeah, so I, I guess as far as ethnicity, ethnicities go, I'm kind of like a mixed plate of everything. Um, you know, I'm half Portuguese. I'm a quarter Danish. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I'm also an eighth Japanese and an eighth Hawaiian, so. Have you been yeah. to any of these places? Um, I've not been to Portugal. I went to Denmark um, a couple of years ago, and that was, that was so fun. Um, Japan, I've been to several times as well. Have you? Yeah. For uh, for music or yeah, for music. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Okay, cool. So let's get into your music, I guess. Mm -hmm. Right, you started at a really young age. Is yes. that right? Four yeah. years old. Yeah, um, that was when I first picked up the piano. Really? Yeah. And so, how how was that sort of like formal or just sort of tinkering about? Um, that was actually formal. So I guess when I was you know just a toddler, my parents and my grandparents saw that you know I really was drawn to music and whenever there was music playing, I would start dancing. So um, they signed me up for piano lessons and this was a classical training through the Suzuki method. What's the Suzuki method? Suzuki method, yeah. So it's by, um, by a, a musical instructor, Sinichi Suzuki out of Japan. Um, and he created a way of being classically taught, um, but you can start at any age. Whereas, you know, if you learn through, through the traditional method, you have to start when you learn how to read. Right, okay. Yeah, so okay. with um, the Suzuki training, um, he starts off with, you know, ear training. And you don't necessarily need to learn how to read, you know, words before you can read music. Okay. So, yeah, so my training began, you know, at the age of four. Um, and I continued piano lessons until I was about 11. And that was when my grandfather gave me my first ukulele, which was his mother's old kamaka from the 1950s. Yeah. And um, he said, here, Brittany, try this out and see if you like it. So I picked it up and, you know, from that first moment, like, I knew that was going to be my instrument of choice. Well, you would think being in Hawaii, it would have been the other way around. You would have started off on the right. ukulele at the age of four or something <laughs> and then played the piano when you got older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, for sure. So who taught you the ukulele? Um, I actually took lessons from my grandfather's friend for two years. And then after that point, um, you know, being 11 years old and, you know, taking lessons from somebody, you know, way older than you is not really the type of music that you want to learn, you know, right. being yeah, yeah, 11 yeah. years old. Yeah. So um, I convinced my parents and my grandparents to let me stop taking ukulele lessons so I can just teach myself. Because um, I felt like I could challenge myself more and I had the knowledge from the piano training to be able to successfully teach myself in the yeah. right way. Yeah, that's uh, two things I wanted to say, if I, <laughs> if I can remember them both. Um, my son is four. He's just turned four mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And he loves playing the piano. He's got like a little keyboard and I mm -hmm. let him play my keyboard. And he can like pick out tunes. Like he'll uh -huh. pick out um, whatever song he's been listening to mm -hmm. on the TV or if he's heard it at play school or you know, mm -hmm. kindergarten or whatever. Um, but he seems too young for like lessons. Uh, like maybe he's just not as disciplined as you were at four. Like because at four you're still sort of running around and I don't um, know being kind of mischievous, aren't you? Or... I well, I I'm not sure. I think me as a as a really young child, I don't remember myself being very, you know, active and uh, you know running around everywhere. Um, I was always very interested in 
you know, I remember being very interested in music once I started, you know, going to lessons at that age. So, um, but I, I do have a nephew, he's six yeah. and he has, you know, picked up the piano on his own as well. And then, you know, before I moved to Honolulu, I left one of my keyboards there and he just, you know, plays around on it and he's so much more talented, you know, at his age than I was at his age. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's just interesting to see, uh, you know, kids at different ages and how they react to music and you know can they sit still for the time that they're playing music and then when they're not playing music they're doing all these all these other things and my nephew you know is on the hyper side but when he's really interested in music and wanting to play and sit down and play he'll sit and play yeah yeah my kid uh, this sounds like i'm bragging now actually but (laughs) i was just thinking because my my son percy is a bit wild Mm. like i was saying but the other day, like, but I will let him play, and probably I shouldn't, but I'll let him play anything in the house. Mm-hmm. So I've got like some nice ukuleles, I've got my electric guitar, whatever, whatever it is. If if I'm in the mood for it, I'll let him have a go on mm-hmm. on anything. And I got up this glockenspiel. It's only like a toy glockenspiel, uh-huh. but uh, um, he played. Uh, I think it was Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on mm-hmm. the piano. Just picked it out himself, mm-hmm. and then I gave him like one of the sticks for the glockenspiel, one of the beaters, I should say, and he picked it out on that as well. And he's like four years old, and uh-huh. I was like, that's. Good, isn't it? Like, it seemed pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it does. But then, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you, you were sort of learning a bit more uh, advanced stuff than that, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, he was, but it, it, I enjoyed it anyway, watching him play that. Yeah. And, and you're right, and it did calm him down as well. Like, that was something mm-hmm. he was interested in doing. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, 20 minutes has passed because mm-hmm. he's just actually focused on, uh, right, yeah. on what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, enough about my kids. So let's <laughs> talk about you, you know. Um, so, yeah, so you got taught by a, a friend of your family. And then you, oh, yeah, right, so that was what I was going to say, mm-hmm. the second thing I was going to say. You stopped having sort of formal uke lessons right. uh, because you wanted to learn your own songs. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of the things that I am that I love about the ukulele mm-hmm. is that you can play anything on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can learn classical music if you want. You can learn the Beatles if you want. Mm-hmm. Or you can learn Guns N' Roses if you want. Right, right. And, like, today we've just come from playing at a school. We just did a, a mm-hmm. school assembly. And someone asked you to do, well, they asked me actually, but I knew you could do a better job to play the, the Lilo and Stitch uh, uh-huh. Hawaiian song. Hawaiian Roller Coaster, right? Yeah. And um, that's kind of like a, a fun thing. That's like one of the songs that I've taught, I think. And obviously you have like this great arrangement for it, but it is just what, like C, F and B flat or something. It's essentially or... just the 12 bar blues and F. Is it? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and so, so you're saying you, you wanted to learn the songs that you mm. wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. What were those songs? Um... I guess just anything that, you know, an 11-year-old at the time would hear around the radio. You know, that was, of course, way before YouTube. Right. Um, yeah, so just any song that I would hear on the radio, any local music, you know, from Hawaii. Um, stuff that, you know, I my friends were learning, you know, on the ukulele as well. So it's, you know, just kind of being into the music that's coming out. Yeah. That, you know, me as an 11-year-old wanted to learn. But, so, what, so what year are we talking about? Like 2000 uh, or something? Or... 2001 okay so ish. i mean i'm thinking like limp biscuit or something i mean what is that like? <laughs> um yeah pretty much anything like backstreet boys and oh right Sing, okay yeah britney yeah, spears yeah, yeah. Okay. and anything within that like era of music yeah yeah so you're but you're teaching yourself these sort of intricate arrangements of like hit me right. baby one more time or something or um kind of I, yeah. I don't know if i specifically worked on that song okay <laughs> but, yeah. more or less yeah and and over the years, um, I did, you know, kind of refine my process into uh, learning these songs. So now that I have my own students, um, I 
kind of approach teaching them the same way as I teach myself. So when it comes to that, I tell them, you know, come up with a song list of songs that you want to learn. You know, not anything that I'm going to tell you to learn, but stuff that you've been wanting to, you know, play on the youth because you like the song. Yeah. And if I don't know the song, I'm taking them, you know, through the process and we're learning it together. So they get to learn how I do it on the spot and I'll explain, you know, why am I, re- what am I, what am I listening for as I repeat this one section over and over yeah. and I'll explain the notes that were, that will give me this, the sign of what's coming, what chord change is coming. So there's, there's a whole different process, you know, that, um, that I take and different approach when it comes to teaching. So did this technique, mm-hmm. I guess you would call it, come from your classical training? Uh, a lot of it does revert yeah. back to my classical training. Yeah. So as I'm listening to a song on the radio or, you know, on Spotify or whatever, um, I'm, I know where, where all the notes are on the piano. So I, d- I also do a perfect pitch. You do? Yes. So wow, okay. when I'm listening to the song, my hands, you know, are doing the motion of the melody in the pattern according to the keyboard or yeah. according to the keys. So that's how I memorize, you know, melody lines. And I'll do it really quickly because of those patterns. That's a that's a gift, isn't it? Perfect pitch. I mean, yeah. you can't learn that. It's a that, gift you, and a curse. A gift and a curse. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You must hate listening to sort of like if a guitar is like slightly out of tune or something. Does that it drives me nuts. You. Yeah, yeah it, it, yeah. it it drives me crazy. And then I sometimes I have to be very careful with how I say things and something. You know, as me as a person, I'm trying to work on. Um, so I'll try to nicely say, "Hey, let's check our tuning." <laughs> is that why? Is that why you left the auditorium when I was singing this morning? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, no. I wouldn't be offended, honestly. You wouldn't be the first. Either. <laughs> no, no, no. Wow. So. Um, that's a bit, give me an F sharp, if, or is that is that rude to to ask you? To, no, I mean I totally yeah. could. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could give you. I can identify notes. I honestly hate singing. Okay. But yeah, I can identify notes. If you were to just play any note on the uke right now, and I close my eyes, I'll tell you what note. Okay. That is, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not going to do that. I don't want to grab my uke. But that's <laughs> that is like something I've always been like really interested in, like really fascinated by. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Thank um, you. you started recording at a really young age. Yes. Right? Like your first album was that um britney times three britney times three yes and how, how old were you uh I when was, that because on the cover you looked like you're about 12 or something right? <laughs> i was 14 <laughs> 14 yeah. okay wow yeah so that yeah. was uh that album came out 20 years ago 20 years yes, ago 20 wow. years ago and how did that come about i mean did you get like was there like record label interest or something did you put it out yourself um, i actually recorded that uh just to get my name out and at the time there were you know some uh, record labels in Hawaii and you know contacts that would be good to you know be in connection with so um, my whole intention was just to go into the studio and record a demo and send it to these people yeah. and I ended up doing a full album and uh, my guitar teacher at the time he said well you know you should just release it you know just because yeah. so that's what I did I released it and then the year after that it took home most promising artist of the year award at the Hoku Awards that's, and what what are those awards? Um, so the Nahoku Hanohana Awards are basically like Hawaii's version of the Grammys. Okay. So um, Hawaii is pretty much the only state in the U.S. that has its own music industry, and we have you know our uh, peer voted award system, kind of like the Grammys, how everybody in the industry votes for those albums. We have the same thing, um, but for Hawaii's industry only. So yeah, it won um, most promising artist of the year. That's amazing. That. At 14 years of age. Yes. 
Wow, incredible. You know, I was just chatting with Andrew mm -hmm. uh, Molina, mm -hmm. and he said he saw your CD in his school music room. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things that influenced him to get started. Right. So, and now you guys are sort of peers or, or friends, I guess. You know, yeah, in, yeah, uh, we're really good friends. Yeah. And it was really funny because I remember um, being at this ukulele contest on Maui and judging Andrew. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't remember if he won that year. I, I, I can't remember. That was so long ago. But yeah, I was judging him at that contest. And, and then, he's like a little kid or something at the time. Yeah, right? well, he's only a couple of years younger than I am. Is he? Okay. Yeah, okay. so um, I think he just turned 30 and I'm going to be 34. Right. Yeah, so um, but I remember judging him at the contest and now we're, you know, really good friends and, you know, headlining shows together. That's amazing. And in fact, you're doing a concert tonight, yes. aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but you haven't played together together very much, have you? Not, not often. Um, mm. But tonight's going to be special because we, we both share the same interest in um, trance music. So, um, like, yeah, we're going to be trying some trance music out on the ukulele tonight. Use it, and how do you do that with, like, pedals and stuff, I'm guessing? We, we could, it? yeah. But um, yeah. I actually really love making acoustic arrangements of trance music. So that's what we're going to try and do. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You, you say, like... That's what you're going to try and do. There's only like about three hours until the concert. <laughs> have you not figured this out yet? We or? have not practiced yet. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm very confident in, yeah. in what, we, what we're planning on doing. So. And you are into like sort of EDM and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, right? Because um, I was listening to whatever your second most recent album mm -hmm. was. And it's all kind of, um, you know, twee. And I don't mean that in an uh, insulting way. Like, you know, typical like ukulele sort of mm. Hawaiian style. Sure. Glockenspiel and, and you can like, you know, pleasant, pleasing stuff. Mm. And then your new stuff is sort of like, um, I don't know how to describe it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the new stuff, um, the project that I, the Black Bow project that right. I had, um, that features me more as a multi-instrumentalist and producer. Okay. So um, those songs were co-written with a friend of mine, Jasmine Crow. And um, yeah, so we put out a few songs and we plan on releasing the rest that we wrote. I think we penned about 13 songs together. Is there even a ukulele on those tracks? Um, there's a few ukulele parts in them. Okay. Um, it's not front and center. It's mostly yeah. um, Jasmine doing the vocals and me um, kind of, you know, being the music co-writer and uh, co-producer behind everything. So. And are you playing the bass in the videos? Uh, or? Bass and yeah. electric guitar. So how did that project come about? Uh, she, she's a friend of yours. Is that mm -hmm. like a lockdown thing or something? Um, or? No, we, we actually... Um, so we've been friends for a really long time and because um, she's also from the Big Island and we were taking piano lessons from the same teacher for, you know, back when we were really young kids. So um, she actually invited me to be a part of uh, one of her projects uh, back in 2021. And after doing that project and appearing in her music video, we decided to um, just write a few songs together and it turned into 13 songs. So, uh, yeah, we just decided, you know, to go ahead and release those songs because I think you know, it does kind of feature both of us in a different light, you know, musically. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And is this like a, a side project for you or do you think it would be like something you'd want to do full time eventually? Um, well, production actually do mostly full time these days. Um, but the Black Bow Project is, was just kind of like a side thing. So, um, yeah. When you say music production, do you mean for other people as well? Yes, yeah. For oh, other right, people. like so in a studio. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually in the process of building a studio uh, back home in Hawaii. Yeah. And uh, but right now I do work out of my you know home bedroom studio, and I've done um, projects for some rappers. I've done a few TV film score projects. Um, yeah, it's it's so much fun. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, what do you use, like Logic or something? Or? Um, I used to use Logic. I use Studio One now. Okay. Um, 
yeah, so I'm just, it's just, it's just been like a slow accumulation, well, actually probably quicker in the past few months uh, of gear and equipment and yeah. yeah. Been, it's been amazing. Do you have lots of um, plugins and things? I have a lot. Okay, I'm just getting into the world of plugins now, uh-huh. the murky world of plugins. Right, right. just I feel like as soon as I've understood what one does, there's like a hundred other plugins to learn about and stuff. Yes, yes. So do you understand uh, compression and mm-hmm. things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain it to me? A bit? Okay, so compression <laughs> is kind of like, uh, let, let's look at it this way, compression and, and limiting. So you're kind of like, you have your waveform and you have like, you know, the mic is going to pick up every single loud note. So when we play quietly, um, the limiter kind of like makes everything a little bit louder. The compression happens when everything is loud and it's like too loud. So it's trying to make it smaller. So that's essentially how it works. Um, when it comes to um, how much compression to use, that really depends on the type of sound you're, you're going for. And, um, you know, you definitely don't want too much where it's going to sound choked out. Like you can tell that everything is just being squeezed, you know, because yeah. you're playing, you have too much compression and you're playing it so loud that you can hear it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I don't know why I asked you that question. Really, but <laughs> I'm still only a little bit the wiser, I think, after that. But, but I appreciate like the explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a bit about uh, your songwriting, because you wrote a lot of the songs on your albums, right? You've done a few mm-hmm. covers. Yeah. But mainly your uh, original stuff, right? Yeah, I, I do like to kind of have an equal amount of covers and originals. Okay. Um, but as far as songwriting goes, um, there's many different processes that I that I uh, have to write songs. Um, sometimes a melody will come out in my head, in my dreams when I'm sleeping, and I'll have to, you know, play it on my phone's recorder. Focus really? my voice memos. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it can happen at any time, really. That's amazing. That's like um, like Paul McCartney or something. Like yesterday, that's mm-hmm. he said that came to him in a dream, mm-hmm. right? You know the story, right? And right. I think for like a few days he was just calling it before he came up with the words. He'd call it uh, scra- was it scrambled eggs or orange juice? Something. I think it was scrambled eggs. So it'd be like scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs, whatever. But right. Um, yeah, that's really cool. But so when you're writing a song um, like that, you you come up with like a melody first, mm-hmm. and then you uh, build it up with like chords and different parts and things yeah yeah typically it'll it'll be a melody like a a really hook type of melody um and i'll just kind of grow the song based off of that um the big problem is like if i get in my head about it if i think about it too much then it just won't come out the way that that it should right so um yeah I, i can't that that's like a big problem that i have when i sit down to actually write music is I think I start getting over compli- I start overcomplicating yeah. the song. And as predicted at the beginning, the batteries at this point do indeed run out. Yes, my machine just gobbles them up. Probably ought to get an adapter for it, as I know that would save me a lot of money in the long run and probably be better for the environment too. And yes, not to mention, it wouldn't cut off the interviews just as they're getting really interesting. Anyway, as we do reach that halfway point, I want to say that I really hope you're enjoying the show, as always. And as always, I would love to hear from you. Tell me what you're enjoying, what you're not enjoying, who your favourite guests have been so far, and of course, who you'd like me to chat to in the future. As I've mentioned before, the whole point of this podcast 
is to have in-person, face-to-face, one-on-one conversations. No Zoom calls and no team meetings. Just me and one other person sitting in the same room, up close and personal, having a chat. And amazingly, so far, I've already managed to snag James Hill, Jake Shimabukuru, Bernadette Teaches Music, Bagiti Kamalo, Ukuleni. The list goes on. I have been incredibly fortunate with this project, so knowing that you guys enjoy it really helps motivate me to carry on doing it. So please drop me a message either on Facebook or Patreon, or you can even send me an email, uketeacher at grabyouryuke.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Another way you can help support the project is, of course, via my Patreon page, patreon.com slash uketeacher. And by this time next week, I hope I should have set up a very special tier for you, my friends of the show. And for about $5 or so a month, you'll get inside access to the show, early access to the podcast, the chance to ask questions to some of my upcoming guests, and also bonus content, aka extra chat, with the likes of Tyler from Ten Thumbs and James Hill. And perhaps best of all, you'll also get a warm glow of knowing that you're helping support this wonderful project. And, uh, of course, one other way you can help support the show is to tell your friends, family, and loved ones about it, especially your ukulele communities. I think there's a lot of people out there who would really enjoy the show, so if you think you might be friends with some of them, then please let them know about it. If you're a member of a ukulele group or forum or Facebook page or whatever, please let those people know, as I really think they'd get a kick out of it. And if this is your first time listening, another fun way you can help is to go back through the archives and download another couple of episodes to enjoy. They're all free, and as I just mentioned at the top of the link, there's lots of great, and I mean really great, guests to choose from. Anyway, as ever, I've waffled on for far too long, and now that I've managed to change the batteries on my recorder, I think it is time to head back to the second part of my interview with the wonderful Brittany Piver. And we start off by talking about how the pandemic affected not just her, but all musicians. So obviously, like the last couple of years have been a bit of a, a crazy for everyone with mm. like the pandemic and everything. Did that uh, change your touring schedule much? I mean, I don't know how much you tour as a rule, mm-hmm. but. But I guess things went pretty quiet for a bit, did they? It, it did, and it was really scary, honestly. And I think um, I think I can speak for a lot of uh, a lot of musicians that it kind of sent us into like a depression. Yeah. Because we needed, you know, that's not only our, our income to be out there, you know, performing, but it's also interacting with, you know, our our fans. You know, for all of us, especially ukulele players, you know, our fans are basically like family to us, and. You know, the fact that we couldn't go out and see our family, it's like, it made a lot of us really, really depressed and sad, you know, for a while. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're all just grateful we can be out here and, you know, perform for everyone again. Yeah. And, and how is it, is it coming back now? Is it sort of almost back to how it was before? Or? It's, it's pretty much back to how it That's was good. before. Good. Yeah. Okay. So I think um, the one that a lot of Hawaii's, you know, Hawaii-based artists were waiting for is for Japan to open. Right. Because okay. Japan you know, they love the ukulele and they love Hawaiian music. So, um, yeah, a lot of us are waiting for Japan to open their borders so that we could go back and play. Yeah. And that hasn't happened yet. Um, that just happened. It has. Okay. Okay. Just happened. 
So have you got any plans to go back there? Not at the moment, but I'm working on it. So I'd yeah. love to go back to Japan. Cool. What else are you working on right now? You've got a new song coming out I soon? do have a new song coming out on uh, Wednesday. Uh, oh, okay. The September 28th. Your birthday? Yes, my Oh, birthday. that's my mum's birthday as well, actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool, yeah. yeah. Well, this will probably be coming out actually in a few months' time because okay. um, so, cause I'm obviously like stockpiling the okay. thing. So it'll be in the past by that Oh, time. right, right. Okay. But um, what's the song called? It's called On a Good Day. On a Good Day. Yeah, okay. so it's actually a cover of one of my favorite, uh, my all-time favorite trance songs. Um, it's uh, originally done by Ocean Lab, which is uh, John O'Grant, uh, Pablo Sojimaki, um, Tony McGuinness. Uh, those three were from Above and Beyond. Uh, they're also from England. Oh, right. Um, okay. Yeah, and then uh, Justine Suisa, the vocalist. So the four of them together became Ocean Lab, and back in 2009, they released On a Good Day. And so I was actually really fortunate to catch one of their acoustic shows uh, when they had the Above and Beyond Acoustic Tour. And they actually came to Honolulu and did a show there. And I went and it was the most insane, life-changing shows I've ever been to. And um, yeah, just hearing their acoustic version of Above and Beyond uh, or of On a Good Day, uh, I thought, hey, this would be really good on the ukulele. So this is my arrangement of it. Wow, okay. Yeah. And you say um, you've got a, a song coming out. What what is not what does that mean? But um, like in the old days, you would put out an album, mm -hmm. and now you just put out what, one song at a time or a few songs at a time. Yeah. What, what's going on there? What what's changing? Um, I, I think it's 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 really hard to to say it without sounding negative, but. The world that we live in today is run by algorithms. Oh, yeah, I hear you. know, you. and yeah, yeah. so we can put out an album, but because we do one album and then, you know, wait a year or two and then do another album, you know, when the streaming services have releases every single day, yeah. you know, you kind of need to have that constant, you know, release every six to eight weeks for you to be relevant in the algorith algorithmic world. Yeah. No, I totally hear yeah. you about algorithms and... Believe me, I can sound very negative about them because <laughs> I'm a YouTuber, right? right, right. And um, like a few years ago, I mean, the algorithm, firstly, I don't know. I mean, I feel like no one knows the actual algorithm, right. but it has changed over the last mm -hmm. few years. So when I started like 11 years ago, like someone literally, took, I actually went to a meeting with a guy from YouTube and he said, the ideal video length is like four and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. So my first few videos for like the first few years, they're all like four minutes long, four and a half minutes long. Mm -hmm. And then they said, no, long form is the future, 30 minutes plus. You got to make all your videos like thirty minutes, <laughs> and then at first it was like, then it was like, make a video when you like. Then it's like once a week. Then it's like every day, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I can't make like a thirty minute video every day for the rest right. of my life because a computer wants me to, you know. Right, right. So I've sort of found like a happy compromise. I just make one video a week, mm -hmm. and I was making like three or four at one point, but mm -hmm. um, I've sort of given up. The same with Instagram, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, I've just sort of had enough of it, right? I mean, you're yeah. on, you're on, you're on Instagram. I'm right? on Instagram, yeah. yes. And have you got like a big following on there? Or um, I have about thirty four, almost almost thirty five hundred okay, followers, cool. and it's it's honestly been a grind. Yeah. And yeah. um, it's for for me, it's never been about like how many followers can I get. You know, it's it's nice when people follow you and you know they're more aware of your music, but at the same time, like it's it's hard work. Yeah. You know, and I. For, for a musician, like, we, we already have a very full schedule, you know, right. every day. We have, you know, some of us teach, um, some of us are on the, on the road constantly, or, you know, we're producing or doing all these different things. 
and then to have a full-time job of doing social media on top of that, mm -hmm. it's it's very difficult, and it can be, you know, it can burn you out really quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you make reels and things? I, I did a series of um, famous guitar intros and famous song intros on, in on Instagram for a while, and I did one every day. Played on the ukulele? Yeah. Or, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I just, yeah. just do, like, different intros that, you know, are popular people people know. Yeah. And I play them on the ukulele. I do, you know, full speed, and then I'd slow it down to, you know, something really slow that people can watch and, you know, learn learn from. But um, yeah, doing it every day was was difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Like I've just sort of, and the thing for me, it's not even at least at this stage of mm. my career, I guess, mm. like it's not even about like growing my audience. I just want the people who actually follow me to see what I'm doing, mm -hmm. and I feel like they're not even being shown a lot of my stuff. You know, like I put out a post, right. and then I feel like they may never see it or may see it like three days later or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. You can become a bit of a slave to the algorithms. Yeah. But then it's also how you kind of make your money, isn't it? So like you need to be yeah. seen, you need to kind of follow these things a little bit. So mm -hmm. have you have you found a balance that you're happy with yet? Or? Um, I think I'm honestly happy just doing what, what I'm doing now. Like when I have time to make content, then I'll make the content. Um, otherwise, you know, I just post Instagram stories, you know, about what I'm doing throughout the day and into my daily life as a non-musician, you know, when I'm not playing music. Um, yeah, I think just doing that, you know, is more about quality over quantity, I think, right now. Yeah, yeah. okay. I know, I think that's kind of my um, mindset as well, is that I'm just going to put out what I want. Mm -hmm. And uh, if people see it and like it, great. If they don't, mm -hmm. I can't beat myself up because, you know, three years ago I was getting this many likes and now mm -hmm. I'm getting like a third as many likes or something. Right. But when... Hang on, this is, oh, sorry, this has become like a therapy session for me. <laughs> no, no, <it's> good. <laughs> just suddenly realized maybe this is someone else I should be talking to about this. But, um, <laughs> like, but, but like, like my self-worth, it shouldn't be tied up into it, like how many likes or followers I get. I completely or whatever, you know? agree. Yeah. But it can get like that, can't it? Right. It, you know? it really can. And, you know, we as creative people, like we, we do... You know, as, as sad as it sounds, like we do need that validation. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, because otherwise, like, you know, we put out music and we want everyone to like it. You know, we put out videos, you know, and content. We want people to like it and we're not getting that, you know, positive reception yeah. or lack of reception at all. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, well, I'm just going to archive this and wait till more people are on and then repost it. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So how, how do you, do you have a, because you, you're touring, mm -hmm. uh, you're a touring musician. Mm -hmm. So where does your fan base come from? Do they know My you from My fan your... base is, is really all over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not really any one specific place. Um, I have a lot of fans in Hawaii, a lot in South America, um, a lot in Europe, across the U.S. Uh, yeah, it's kind of all over. But I mean, where, I, what I mean as well is where did they, how did they hear of you? Like, um, like where do they come from that way? Honestly, I'm not, sh I'm not sure if I can pinpoint that. Um, I know a lot come from YouTube as well. Do yeah. they? Okay. Yeah, a lot okay. from my from my older videos and right. um, people that have you know found me back when I first started, you know, are, are still following me today. So right, okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say like that seems to be how people are discovered nowadays, like social media, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> are you on TikTok at all? Or? I am, and yeah. I, I I rarely go on it. Um, my my opinions for the way the music industry is thanks to TikTok, is kind of strong, so I tried not to, yeah. <laughs> Try not to talk about it, or? Yeah. Uh, okay, think, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, I mean, I'm not, I just basically accepted 
I'm a 42-year-old man. Dad, <laughs> I'm not going to like learn a new dance routine every day and edit it yeah. with like a three costume change or whatever. I'm just right, not right. doing Like you said about already having a full-time job. Yeah. YouTube is my full-time job. I haven't got time to like learn it and I'm okay with that. I've just made peace with the fact right. that platform is for the youngsters and um, yeah and yeah. i am not one of the youngsters anymore so. sure sure yeah um uh oh yeah so tell me about teaching right you you do some teaching as well or i do yeah i do some teaching um all of my students are online so i teach via zoom one-on-one um, yeah one-on-one okay. lessons, yes yeah okay. so i try to um limit how many students i have just because my schedule's you know pretty busy uh, besides that so um i do dedicate uh, about one or two days to my students and yeah it's great fun yeah, good, yeah. good, good. How long have you been teaching for? Since I was 15, so... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, almost 20 years. <laughs> wow, okay, that's pretty good. A lot of experience yeah. then. Um, and uh, what sort of... Do you have like a, a method, like a sort of A to Z? Or do people just come and say, I'd like to learn this song or this style or... Um, well, it goes back to um, to what I was saying earlier about how, um, how I like to teach. And that's... Um, teaching the songs that they want to learn rather yeah, than right, the songs okay. that Yeah, right, okay. So I you did learn. mention that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, okay. um, so I'll just have them, you know, the first lesson will typically be me evaluating, you know, where their current skill is, um, the goals that they have for what they want to achieve, you know, in the, in the near and distant future. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of, uh, you know, going over some really basic stuff. Um, and then by the second lesson, I'll have them write down a list of songs or make a YouTube or Spotify playlist. Um, of songs that they write, really like that they want to learn on the ukulele. So then I take them through my journey, you know, on how to learn a song, you know, just on the spot like that. And so I'm learning it with them and they see my process and I explain everything as we're going through the song. Right, okay, okay, yeah. cool. So you don't take anyone from complete beginner? Uh, um, I, I have before. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. And what about, is there a reason why you don't do in-person teaching? Um, it's, it's just easier, I think, for, for me to roll out of bed and teach. Yeah, <laughs> teach a class. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what, uh, how's your YouTube channel going? Is that something you're sort of still doing or? Um, uh... it's, it's something that I, I try to do, um, when I can, you know, especially being that I need, you know, my videos to be full length, full songs. So I try to do that whenever I can. Um, currently I've got just under 16,000 subscribers, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. And what about, tomorrow, uh, so we're here at the Ukulele Festival mm -hmm. uh, at the moment, the LA Festival. Mm -hmm. um, and tomorrow you're doing a workshop, are you? Yes, I'm doing a workshop with Andrew Molina. And what form is that going to take? Um, so I think that is going to be uh, pretty much both of us going over what it takes to perform, you know, in person, what the differences are, like, you know, in our processes, you know, prior to performing and, you know, different warm up things that we do. Just, you know, the life as a stage, you know, stage, performing on stage type of artist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Do you do many uh, sort of workshops at festivals? I things? do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Okay. Typically, I do um, at least a couple workshops every festival. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Is it something you enjoy doing? Or yeah, I do. Yeah. It's great fun to to watch everyone. You know, pick up the you can you know play and I like to you know hopefully make everyone's lives a little easier with little tips and tricks that can make playing you know more, yeah. more enjoyable. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you about? And by the way, anything you want me to cut out, I will happily cut out. Oh, if, I'm, I'm if, good. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Can I ask you about your style? Because I um, obviously when you started, you were sort of I don't know a thirteen, fourteen year old mm -hmm. kid, and you're very um, you're just a young a young kid or whatever. But now you've got like the tattoos, the, the sort of the shaved head, the uh, uh -huh. the cool um, earrings. I'm not sure there must be a name for them. Oh, I'm not uh, sure gauges. Called. Gauges. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, can you tell me a bit about 
about your look and does that have anything to do with your music or is it just something you enjoy? Um, I think it's just something I enjoy. Um, I know when I, when I was really young and when I first started, you know, I obviously didn't have any tattoos. My mom was my manager at the time and so back then, you know, the innocent Britney was, you know, happening and then life happened after that. Um, so as far as like my tattoos, every tattoo has, has a meaning. For me, um, the biggest one being the Phoenix, you know, right, being on the that arm, I, yeah. I did go through a number of years of, uh, you know, hard stuff. So um, the the Phoenix tattoo, on my forearm is uh, kind of a big deal for me. But um, yeah, every tattoo I have is it has a meaning. And uh, as far as like the gauges in my ears, it's always been like a self-expression type of thing. I never wanted to go really big just because I feel like that's too big. So I'm stopping where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so I think that. Uh, it's also pretty pretty funny to um, be judged based on how I look, and then when I pick up the ukulele, it's completely opposite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was wondering, does does your fan base um, do they not do they accept you for that? Mm. But like, do some of your fan base sort of do they come to you because of that? Like, do they like you because of your your style? Um, I think I think there's there's both. You know, people that have uh, been with me from the beginning um, that have seen the progression of you know my style. Um, they were not very acceptive um, or accepting, you know, in, in the beginning. Um, and then there's the ones that, you know, discovered me recently that, you know, they, they like how I play regardless of how I look. Yeah. 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 Oh, amazing. Okay, cool. Um, well, I think I've got to wrap it up now if that's sure. okay. Yeah. But let's just ask, uh, well, firstly, where can people, how can people stay in touch with you? Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, which is at Brittany Piva Music. Um, Instagram, I am Brittany Piva. And also on my official website, BrittanyPriva.com. Cool. And what's next to you, apart from your song coming out, which will have come out on September 28th, your birthday. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, by the way. What's next for, for you sort of in the next few months, next year or so? Um, definitely more uh, more singles coming out. Um, I'm going to be working with some other artists and producing their stuff. So I just have the best time, you know, helping others elevate their music. Brilliant. Okay, cool. Brittany, thank you so much. Thank really you appreciate so much. it. Cheers. Well, what a great chat. Wasn't that fun? I really enjoyed listening to her chat, particularly about the algorithm and trying not to be a slave to it. Certainly, that is a trap that I more often than not fall into, and I really need to get out of that. Also, very interesting to hear her talk about validation. Uh, I know as a creative person myself, that is something that I crave, but is it good for you? I don't know. Still, it is nice to hear from people, and when you're putting content out into the world, it's really nice to hear back. Anyway, um, a big thank you to Brittany for being so open and talking to me about basically everything I threw at her. I really enjoyed talking to you, and it was great hearing you talk about how you inspired Andrew Molina as well to pick up the ukulele. We'll definitely be having him on uh, in the next few weeks, I would say. He'll definitely be on sooner or later, as I had a great chat with him at the LA International Ukulele Festival too. So be sure to subscribe so that when that episode does come out, it goes straight into your device, whatever that is, your mobile phone, your iPad, your laptop computer, I don't know. However you listen to this uh, podcast, be sure to subscribe so that it arrives in your device the second that it comes out, which is, as I say, each and every Wednesday. Anyway, I've had a lot of fun talking to you guys today, and I can't wait to speak to you again next week. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and until next time, I love you all, and I wish you the best.